Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. The Cardinals were informed by the league today, making it official, that DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended six games to begin the 2022 regular season for violating the NFL's PED policy. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. Coming up in 20 minutes, Danny White, Tennessee AD. Uh, You'll hear from him and the conversation we had with him at the end of last week discussing all things NIL and more. Um, Coming up in just a moment, details on A.J. Brown's contract with the Philadelphia Eagles. But keep this in mind for the Cardinals. Hopkins... He's banned six games. He's not a, if he was appealing, he's he's taken the the appeal off the board, so he's not appealing. I love that. I'm going to appeal. You know what? No, I'm good. And you guys report, go ahead. You got me. You got me fair yeah, and square. Yeah, the report was the the appeal had been removed. Uh, That's probably was yeah. whatever however much of an appeal there was, uh, it didn't become news until he took it away. So that even further confirms that the Cardinals would have known about this when they traded for Hollywood Brown. Keep this in mind. Hopkins missed the last five games last year. Four regular season games to end the season and then the playoff game against the Rams. Missed all five of those games. So he will now miss 11 consecutive games for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray in a a, a do-or-die type year for both guys with the organization. I don't think one... I don't think it's both guys survive. I, I get the sense it's one or the other moving forward, if, if either uh, move forward with the Cardinals uh, long-term. But in, in terms of Hopkins, 42 catches for 572 yards last year. That's not the type of production that you would expect. Now, last year was due to injury. This year, the numbers, keep in mind he missed five last year, and his total catches were 42 for 572 yards. It's probably similar production now because of the six-game suspension. Within that offense, they had Hollywood Brown. I mean, it 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 hurts. They've added they've added some tight ends. I'm they not had, feeling. They still have Ertz. I, I, I wasn't feeling great about the Cardinals. I mean, nobody could be with the Kyler Murray yeah. situation. Um, yeah. I, I don't love Hollywood Brown. That's uh, a big blow. And and uh, this, I mean, not just DeAndre Hopkins' production, but he's a settling force, a settling guy. Um, and and things are messy with on. Murray. Right? When he's on the field. Yeah. yeah. Things are messy with Murray, and DeAndre Hopkins is the kind of guy that could maybe tamp things down. Well, this isn't just him not on the field. This is him not around the team. Um, so he's around for training camp and the preseason, and then you take him away. And if things aren't going well for those six weeks, and this is a team that traditionally starts well, but he would be part of that, um, he's a settling force for Kyler Murray, I would imagine, and, and you want him there, obviously. Florio has the details of the A.J. Brown contract um, from the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, keep this in mind. There were some headlines around the weekend about what A.J. Brown was asking for. $80 million is what he wanted. Great. 
what did he actually end up with? Because that's what that's the terms that the Titans were actually negotiating against. Uh, signing bonus today, he signed it officially today of twenty three point two million. His base salary this year is nine hundred eighty six thousand. Um, all of this fully guaranteed. He's got some workout bonuses, uh, some option. He's got a ten point one option next off season. Uh, that's already been fully guaranteed at signing, but he gets that paid next off season. Um, and then he has a $510,000 per game roster bonus in 2023 that's fully guaranteed at signing. That's a um, big per game. Yeah, so uh, this is front-loaded. It's front-loaded, but right, they're spreading it out. Um, 2024, he has uh, his base salary is $20.2 million. Um, that's guaranteed for injury at signing. Um, so as it stands, and we won't go through all the different qualifiers here because the deal goes through 2026 he's he's set to be 29 years old if he completes this full contract so he has a chance to cash in again before he's 30 and the deal as it just sits here right now is guaranteed at 40 million but to me there's no way philadelphia moves on from this after one year after giving up a first and a third no um he will get another 17.2 next year which gets him to the $57 million fully guaranteed. So that was accurate. That's accurate. It, they really should start dividing it, though, into fully guaranteed now and ultimately guaranteed. You know what I mean? Because uh, uh, a lot of contracts are reported also, you know, fully guaranteed, but some of it's only guaranteed for injury for a while. Well, part of this or is some injury. of it doesn't kick in to guarantee until, you know, the third year, stuff like that. But this looks like a pretty good contract, though it's very unusual to have these per game, half a million dollar per game is a ton. I've never seen anything that big. Well, they're spreading out the cash. They're spreading this cash out weekly instead of in a massive bonus and fully guarantees at the start. But it also protects you, and I'm not reading the details here, uh, per game is usually per game active. Um, and so if you're hurt and not playing and not active... Right, but these are fully guaranteed. You're losing that out, are they? Yeah, so 2023, the per game is fully, fully guaranteed. guaranteed. 2024, fully guaranteed on the third day of the 2023 league year. So it's 2024's guarantees lock in next March. Um, so they're just paying them weekly instead of paying them up front. Yeah, it's interesting structure. Does anything about this contract or the reports over the weekend about A.J. Brown change your mind at all about Titans and A.J. Brown and what they did here? Uh, um, I mean, this is a doable contract. I am, I am even more convinced that this was, this was something that was in the works longer than what the Titans want to let on. The trade, um, you're saying? Yeah. There, there's, there's no, to me, there's no coincidence in the fact that four days before the NFL draft, he's working out with Jalen Hurts on routes. There's no coincidence. Jalen Hurts' For sure. wife was also at his kid's birthday party. I think this is since the trade, but uh, they're, they're pretty tight from Hurts trying to recruit him to Alabama, I guess. Which, yeah, they've been uh, friends. I mean, that's, that's cool. You can tell on the, the FaceTime that they had with each other that Hurts put on, the, on his Instagram story um, whenever the trade was, was through on Thursday night that – they, they had been talking about this. Well, it's, I, I asked that question because 
if you follow the response and reaction of Titans fans, Thursday night, it was all negative for the most part. I'd say 80 to 90% negative. Then as the weekend evolved, I think the drafting of Malik Willis probably off to the side of this probably helped a little bit uh, with Titans fans that are out on Ryan Tannehill. But as the weekend went on, suddenly I started getting tweets and, and things from people that said, oh, well, the Titans had to trade him, so they did a good job trading him. And I'm thinking, well, they didn't have to trade him. Either you like the move or you don't, but they never had to trade him. They could have matched the Eagles. They could have come up with something. They could have waited and continued to negotiate and tried to sign him long-term. There's a number of things they could have done besides trade him. It wasn't like they were well, forced. And, and that all stems from this report that he wanted $80 million guaranteed, and then when the Titans didn't do it, he said, all right, I want out, and I'm not going to talk anymore to you. So then that's when the t- Titans decided to trade him. Yeah. But it's not about what you want, it's what you sign for. 57 is a lot different than 80. So if well, he's demanding it, 80, that, I'm with you. If he's demanding 80, and if he's, if he's talking about settling for 22, there was room to negotiate there. And, and word is that the 16 and those incentives were easily obtainable incentives that would have got maybe to 20. Then you're not that far off of getting to 22, and this is maybe 21 and a half. Look, I, I don't. I, I tend to not believe uh, NFL teams when you get closer to the draft on, on any of these things. But if we are to believe anything with this, there's both an AJ Brown side of this and a Tennessee Titans side of this. But the latest report said he was demanding 80 million dollars guaranteed, and then he broke off talks when the Titans wouldn't do that. So then him and his agent they go out. They shop it. They find a deal. They find someone to pay fifty-seven million. So am I supposed to believe that AJ Brown, who claims, "Hey, I would have done it for twenty-two million a year," but you, and you're not leaving that out one key detail money. here? They shop it based on whose wishes? The Tennessee Titans, based on the, the agent, the, can't the go prize. out and seek seek stuff like this with Until, another team for tampering. You can't so, tamper like that without permission of the team. So then, why would the Titans? That's the key detail that you left out there, is the Titans allowed know, this to happen. I know what you're saying. The Titans allowed it to happen, but the reports coming in were the Titans allowed it to happen because he was demanding $80 million guaranteed. Titans said no, and he said, all right, talks are broken off. So then the Titans found the suitable price for him, and that price was what they got from the Eagles, and then he negotiated with the Eagles on what he was going to get when he was traded. This stuff does not line up. It just To me, none of this lines up. Someone's not telling the truth. Well, my one thing on the contract is I do think uh, they can agree on the parameters pretty quickly. Four years, 157 guaranteed, 40 initially, 17 mm-hmm. later. Then all this stuff that we just found out, right. that comes together later. We've got, we've got the general parameters of the money. Then ultimately, he doesn't care if it's 5, 10 per game or whatever. They hash that you out later. Guarantee. So that part's complicated, and that took longer. But that doesn't mean they're negotiating for four days on that. The, the initial lump stuff, they could come up with pretty quickly. And I think they probably negotiated longer than Robinson said, but not, not too, too much longer. And, and Philadelphia could have put this together with it in mind anyway. Hey, we're going to chase A.J. Brown. Let's get, let's get stuff in line in case we land him. Or Debo or I, whoever. We're going after one of these I guys. just don't understand the $80 million report because there are ways. Clearly the agent knew something, right? He knew what the market was ultimately going to be. He can talk to people. He can find out. I'm talking about for AJ. Yeah. So then at some point, to what you're saying, Hutton, they had to go to the Titans and say, okay, now what's acceptable because we're going to go get this. Yeah. So then you're competing against the actual contract. Yeah, you're not. So the Titans float. 
Yeah, that's where you get screwed. So you, the Titans floating what out. You're the, saying oh, is he right. asked for eighty million and they broke off talks. He asked and we for said eighty no. million guaranteed and over twenty five a year. So that's the high end of what he's asking for. I get what you're saying. So here's the high end of what he's yeah. asking for. We won't give him the high end of what he's asking for. Oh, I want to trade, and now he goes and gets the negotiated price. Well, the Titans never have a chance at the negotiated price because they weren't willing to listen to you at your high asking price. That's where it gets weird. How about you talk to me about the negotiated price that you're talking with Philly about? No, my feelings are hurt at the way you reacted to the high asking price. That's, that's where it gets weird. That's where it gets foolish. And also, if you're an agent, what do you mean you broke off talks of the team that he's under contract with? <laughs> yeah. That's not how you negotiate. That, that's not how it would ever, to me, go down from a business perspective. Hey, this is what we could get on the open market. I know this for a fact. Will you match? Well, good. You're not no, on the open market. No, you won't match? Okay, what do you want in return for a trade? Okay, they're willing to do that. Boom, we've got a deal. But you would think that the Titans would have the ability to match if they wanted to. Because you're, not, because you're under contract. There's this huge gulf between well, but the offer like and the initial with the asking very, price. It's also a very convenient PR job for them to put that out there without putting their name behind it. Of whoever course. it is with the Titans. Of course. $80 million guaranteed is more than De- Devontae Adams just received in, with the Raiders. $80 million is $50 million more than what Tyreek Hill was just guaranteed in Miami. So get out of here with the realistic idea that, that he was going to garner more than those two dudes. Well, I think we're dealing with two extremes. I don't also buy that, that the 16. I, I mean, I think A.J. Brown's side's tamping it down when they're saying 16 and not get, putting any meat on the, uh, on the um, ex- incentives, which we're probably pretty easily going to get him to 20. So he's leaving four off there, very convenient. So him asking for over 25 and 80 guaranteed is probably a real stretch well, that on was the part of the side. And him uh, only being offered 16 is probably a real exaggeration on that. So well, that's part, of that's, the in- that's part of the insult, right? That's, that's A.J. Brown, oh, you laughed at the $80 million guaranteed. And then you also offered me a contract that's incentive-laden to get to 20, which is an insult to A.J. Brown and his Look. camp. And, and then he, he behaved out. as someone that was insulted by it. Um, no matter, Chad, no matter how the Titans PR spin on this, wh- however they want to spin it with the 80 million or it was more than 16, what we've heard from, from A.J. Brown has been accurate. Even when he doesn't know he's speaking to the public, it's been accurate. When Debo Samuel's mother is recording him on speakerphone talking about what's been offered, that's accurate. That played out here on Thursday night. He got more than what he was saying on the phone on speaker when he didn't know he was being recorded. So, I mean, the, the, I, I tend to lean towards what has been reported on the contract, which, based on what has been released by Florio, is also accurate. And the fact that, you know, the, the Titans claim that they sat down and didn't know that a trade was going to be worked out 20 hours prior to the start of the draft. What's well, the average on this? Did it say? It's, it's all in the report. I mean, they've got 21? everything in the, uh, the, the pro football talk story. The only way to me, the Titans, if you're going to leak a story and you expect the public to buy your end and sympathize that you're part of the story, the only way to do that is if you can produce a story that's factual that says we were willing to go to $22 million, and that's what we told them. Because that is, what, that is what A.J. Brown is claiming. Right? got 20.8 a year. On a five, what amounts to a five? Here, here's here's the truth of the matter that the Titans will not admit publicly. In order to get this deal done, they would have to kick the can down the road and guarantee more money to Tannehill beyond 2023. 
Right now, his contract is set to expire after the 2023 season. They don't want to give him more years on his deal. Well, they couldn't have done it with him. They would have had to have done it with Lawan or with And uh, they're not doing Henry. it with Taylor Lawan either. Uh, the guy doesn't com- he doesn't finish regular seasons or, or complete completes him. Dupree, Dupree would one. have been the one that Dupree, did it. Dupree, this draft was more about getting younger at positions yeah. than it was investing in positions. And in order to to make the the contract work for A.J. Brown, you have to take veterans who are already making a boatload of money based on the cap structure. I'm not saying they're not valued as that on the open market. I'm saying based on their current cap structure, eating away at pockets of the cap, you had to extend those guys to where they're going to continue to do that for years to come. When in years to come, you're actually out from underneath it. You can you're you're about to save money on Lawan's contract after this year. You're going to save money on Tannehill's contract after this year. A year and a half from now, you're out from Henry's contract too. You're not going to lengthen the the status of those in order to guarantee your star wideout. And that's just the the business and timing of the NFL more than it is a referendum on how they felt about AJ Brown. But again. They, that's what they're not going to admit. Yeah. But again, uh, yeah, the Julio, it's a, it's a, Jones, Julio well Jones thing is the thing that kills them because that 9-5 doesn't come free until June 1st. If they had that 9-5, they could get a first-year cap number in for him. No problem. And then his money next year is not I mean, an issue like you're talking I, I about. Don't because be, that stuff's I, I don't want to I feel like we're going to be drowning in numbers down. here with this when you r- say it that way. And I don't want people that are following us to drown in these numbers. To me, it's this simple if I had to just boil everything down. The Titans made a calculated decision to try to stay good for a long time, mm-hmm. and that went against the decision to try to be great right now. And that's the A.J. Brown decision in a nutshell. This is what we did to get out from under Tannehill quicker, to get out possibly from Lawan quicker. Or to on get time. It, yes, to, or, right. To not extend yeah. that out. We do not want to be one of those teams that's too old, that's going nowhere, right. that's up against the cap, that has no flexibility. So we made a calculated move to be pretty good for a long time and stay in our positions as opposed to trying to win a Super Bowl now. And it is a soft rebuild. And that's what that they, is what they're going through right now. That's what they cannot admit at the podium when they say that finances played a factor. They're not speaking solely on the singular player. That's a great point. It's their overall situation. And if they want to, if they want it, they could have offered AJ the extension. There are ways to massage this within the cap, but in order to do so, you have to be flexible with other guys kicking the can down the road on contract. And by the way, you can only do that with Kevin Byer so often. Yeah. And by the way, that's a soft offensive rebuild. Right. Yeah. They're a very good defensive team. They're going to be really, they should be really good on defense. And they're not in bad shape contract wise, offensive wise outside of Byer. Who you keep kicking the can down? Right. His numbers are stacked up. Right. And Simmons, even next year, Simmons is only one big step up the ladder to ten million to eleven million on the fifth year option. Now you got to negotiate the long term thing. But I'm sick of hearing people say there's no way they could have kept Simmons and AJ Brown. They absolutely could have. Like we're you, saying, they could have found a way to massage AJ this year. And Simmons' long term contract, the big numbers wouldn't have kicked in until two years from now. Right. And so it's completely manageable. People make it sound like you can't keep two good players. No, you can keep them, but you have to. You may have to keep a player. You may have to lock in another player to incentivize them restructuring. Right. right? If if you're going to Tannehill, you're going to guarantee Tannehill more from his from his angle. You'd be guaranteeing him more beyond this year. Yeah, they're done guaranteeing him. Malik Willis now. 
Moore assures right. that, hopefully. Well, that's what they... Yeah, Lawan right. is closing, clo- closer to the end now. That's why it would have been nice if they... Or, or if, if Petit Frere can, can turn out to be a left tackle. That, that's what we're seeing with some of these moves they made. These guys are not probably going to be huge helps this year. But is Haskins ultimately going to be a replacement for Henry or part of a replacement for Henry? Is Petit Frere going to be ultimately a replacement for Lawan? Uh, you know, these are the questions that you're asking as you look to well, is McCreary going to be part of a disaster plan at corner they're not very expensive at corner because they're so young but so is that their plan we're going to keep replenishing corner and stay young there and not resign a guy we're not that far from Fulton now if Fulton takes off you're just going to let him go and keep replenishing young corners and that's our accounting plan all of these questions here's here's the other thing too and this is me talking now but I think this is what the Titans would never openly admit they're very realistic they're very pragmatic as an organization, and they're not foolish about things they're trying to do. I don't think the Titans would ever just gear up and say, we're going to go win a Super Bowl and try to do that with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback with what they've seen in the playoffs. I think they know that's not happening. I disagree. I think deep down they know. I think deep down they think they can win it this year just like they think they could have won it last year. If they would have thought that, then they would have – if they think Ryan Tannehill could win a Super Bowl – They'd have no problem spreading that thing out and re-signing A.J. Brown and going for a Super Bowl the next three years. I think it puts more There's a reason they're not adding time on Tannehill. I think it uh, – I mean, there's certainly a reason they're not adding time on Tannehill, but I think there's a reason that they trade A.J. Brown. They think they can win with Tannehill throwing to a rookie. Yeah, it's because they're built through the run and but not Paul, through Tannehill's if they, arm. But, Paul, if they thought Tannehill could honestly – Tannehill. These, well, are, these are mixed signals they're sending. Tannehill as their quarterback. If they think that Ryan Tannehill – could win a Super Bowl throwing to a rookie, then what Hutton said would not be true. They would have no problem adding a year on to it and not putting him up against this so much pressure right now if they honestly thought that. Plenty of discussion with, with that line of thinking uh, over the course of the next few days for sure. sure. Um, and I also want to get to escrow with signing, you know, signing bonuses and money up front that you have to have cash on hand to pull off a deal like this. Not saying the Titans don't have it, but certainly there's a lot of money up front to pay a player immediately uh, and how all that works, the mechanism of it, because some of it can be confusing. We'll get to that later in the week. Danny White, though, speaking of dealing with a lot of money, Danny White, the University of Tennessee Director of Athletics, next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. He's the man with all the answers. Tennessee AD Danny White with us at our broadcast site, 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, Big Orange Caravan in Music City. Uh, a lot going on, a lot of momentum across the board. I know we're all pointing towards football season, but you're coming off a, a very a very good 
uh, basketball season and the baseball team's doing great things. Yeah, really excited about uh, what all our teams are doing across the board. We're having a strong spring, got a chance to finish with one of our best ever all sports you know, point uh, finishes in terms of nationally and, and within the SEC. So gives us something to continue to work on and you know we, we just got a great roster of coaches and got to continue to find ways to support them and keep building things up i, I have long uh, not been a big college baseball guy or college baseball fan but even me <laughs> i have to pay attention to this group uh with tony vitello and and what he's done and the amount of fun this group has every single night uh, what's it been like seeing this growth of the program now the number one team in america yeah i didn't know i was coming to a baseball school (laughs) (laughs) exactly i got here about 15 months ago and the baseball team's on fire who knew who knew so much fun and so last spring was my first opportunity also just kind of see how our fan base reacts to a a winning team and uh you know we had the block party and just huge crowds out at, at, at Lindsay nelson stadium and and now for it has to be sold out just about every game this spring and it's it's an awesome environment and you could see tony's personality and and, and the culture he's built with that program those, those guys play with so much confidence and uh, they're never out of a game that's for sure i think we saw that last weekend when he gets suspended for four games do you have a conversation with him do you talk to him after that or is it just, hey, we're number one in the country, everything's fine, let's keep it rolling? I think he'd be the first to say that he doesn't want to get suspended. You yeah. know, sometimes <laughs> things happen, uh, and in that sport we see that, that happen, uh, the, the emotions uh, uh, you know, get, get riled up on, on occasion. But uh, he's, he's doing a phenomenal job uh, you know, building a program, and uh, we're, we're going to continue to rally behind him and, and, and the team and see, see where we can go this year. Where are we headed? And th- this is a loaded question. But you're in position to give us the best answer. Where are we headed in college athletics? Where, where, where are the tent pole issues that we hope that will have some structure? And if they're not solved, we're headed down a path for that in the next five to seven years. Do we even know? Uh, the tent's got a whole lot of poles. Uh, I, I think that there's... How do you plan for that, not knowing? Yeah, we... The, there's an element of kind of blocking and tackling. So coming to Tennessee, obviously with the, the, the challenges we had in our football program, that, that in itself is, is a big, a big job yes, yes. Uh, to come at the time when then all of these things are happening, whether it's transfer portal or NIL or uh, I mean, there's, there's so many massive sea change things happening across college sports. And uh, so we try to be on the front end as much as possible. Some of these things we're, we're going to, take a little bit of a wait-and-see approach. I, I think some, sometimes you can be a little ahead of yourself. I, I like to be a first mover in everything, and as I think about my role as a sports marketer and, uh, and trying to build a fan base and, and a fan experience and things like that, but when you're talking about this NIL space, it's, it's a little bit precarious, and we're, we find ourselves in this world where we don't really know where it's going to go, and um, uh, I don't know that that's uh, the best feeling. But uh, I, what I do know is Tennessee is going to be in a really strong position regardless of the outcome because of our market, our, our, our position in the state of Tennessee, and our fan base. If Is the SEC in position, in your opinion, to have parameters set to lead college sports down a path, or does that put the SEC in a bad spot if they start having you know a, a list of rules and regulations when no one else is doing that? Or willing to step up and take the lead. I think the conversation nationally is to have less rules. You know, we're having a transformation committee with Division One at the NCAA level and talking about deregulating. And I think that you know I've worked in college sports and been around it my entire life. 
I don't know that NCAA manual. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like 500 pages. I think we need to simplify everything and then, and then hold each other accountable in a more timely way uh, where we have simpler rules, but we follow them. And, and there's, there's uh, again, some uh, pretty serious level of accountability around that. You're renovating Neyland Stadium, uh, working on some baseball additions also, and you're now in a market that's competitive in terms of donors. Uh, I'm sure you're going to donors and saying, hey, you know, can we get your commitment to this? And some donors are saying, I may give my money to a collective or to a player to help, you know, the football team, to help keep this guy from transferring or this player in basketball from transferring. How difficult has that been to navigate for someone in your position who's a known, very good fundraiser in your time at different places? I think that uh, the strength of the of our donor base, our alumni base, is is it's unbelievable, and it's a big part of why I wanted to come to Tennessee. I, I think we have a chance to build the best athletic department in the country, and our, our donors, our our market, our fans are the biggest reason why. And so, if you look at the history of Tennessee athletics. Our high water mark for a major gift commitment was, I think the most we ever got in a year was around 60. Normally we're in the 40 to 50 range. We've got 185 this, this year when there's still a couple, couple months left. Uh, our development team with the Tennessee Fund has done a phenomenal job of launching a new uh, major gift program we call the Shareholder Society. And people believe in what we're trying to do. We want to bring back the, the, the big bad Tennessee of, of back in the day. And, and when we were our best version of ourselves, we had a ton of competitive advantages. We had one of the biggest budgets in the country. We had the best facilities. We got to get all those advantages back, and we got to do it quick. Chad uh, mentioned your baseball coach, who's who's doing quite well. Uh, we're, ta- we're, ta- <laughs> we're talking. We're uh, talking to to the three coaches of of your three biggest programs. Uh, I, what's it like to be a, uh, an athletics director who? doesn't have any questions about those four jobs or those four programs. I imagine if you have questions there, that's always priority one. When you don't have questions there, you're allowed to go next level. Sure. And, and it, I feel fortunate to have inherited a lot of really good coaches. Obviously, those four were in a strong place from an integrity standpoint, leadership standpoint. All four of them care about the kids and do it the right way. They have a great culture in their program, and we're, we're winning at a high level. Uh, and, and, and those programs are uh, on an upward trajectory. So it makes my job easy. I can focus on, you know, our, our coaches, they're, they're recruiting. They'll be recruiting later tonight. They're, they're in the here and now at all times. My job is to think two, three, four, five years down the road as we're thinking about capital projects and continuing to, to uh, get our season ticket base back to where we were. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, that's a good point. It's a, something that uh, having such strong coaches in those roles really frees me up a, uh, a lot. So you're a competitive guy. You grew up playing sports. You were a college basketball player at Notre Dame. Uh, I'm sure you're competitive in your family. Take us through the emotions of being the athletic director at Tennessee when your brother Mike White comes to town with his Florida team or now with his Georgia team. Can you separate things there, or is it completely impossible? I'm guessing it's impossible. It's the most awkward thing in the world. I mean, I, I want to win every single game we play, yeah. uh, and I, but I also don't want him to lose. So obviously, one of those has got to give. Uh, certainly, ultimately, I want to win. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't enjoy it, especially my first year. Uh, last, last season, we had a couple critical games. One of them was basically a playoff game for who was going to get the, the double bye in the SEC tournament. Uh, and we were able to, to, to get that one. So, yeah, it's, a, it's not, not the most comfortable thing, but we, we figure it out. 
Has anything recently been brought up in, in conference expansion beyond what we were going through last July with, with Oklahoma and Texas? No. That, that no buzz at all? Hadn't been a conversation. I think uh, a lot of conversation around uh, welcoming those two in and, and what that looks like from a scheduling standpoint and all the different sports and a lot of excitement around the conference to add those two brands. I mean, this is already the best conference in America to add Oklahoma and Texas to what we offer in, in so many sports. It's, it's pretty big time. I can't wait. Uh, and uh, gives us a chance where you know the winner of the SEC and just about every sport should be a serious contender winning the national championship. Is it an immediate yes when presented with the opportunity for Texas and Oklahoma to join the conference, or are there a lot of questions that's asked of the league when that's presented? I, I mean, I, I'm not the commissioner, but I would I would think it's a no-brainer for anybody. I, I don't know I don't know that any conference was going to say to Oklahoma and Texas, uh, let me get back to you on that one. No. I think anybody would have taken them pretty quickly. Uh, they're you know tradition-rich, historic programs, great schools, great alumni bases, and uh, they're, they're going to add a lot to the league. Well, I ask because Texas A&M, you know, the, the reports out they voted against it because of the Texas problems there. I'm guessing everyone else in the conference said, no, this is this is a no-brainer for us if there's no animosity there with those schools. I think there's a lot of excitement. Yeah, a lot of excitement. I don't think we're conference. done. I don't think we're done adding teams. Personally. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I don't know that anyone can tell where, where college sports is going right now, and uh, I, I certainly don't have a crystal ball, but um, we're in a strong position uh, at Tennessee in, in, in the Southeastern Conference for sure. Chad's been hitting on this. There will be the haves and the have-nots, and you want to ensure that the real estate that you're purchasing or buying, you know, there's value in it moving forward and jumping in on NIL at any level or the transfer portal, embracing what's available, sets you up for the long term. Well, and I, I'm a Tennessee grad, so I, I see it firsthand. It, it's the hunger of the fan base, and I'm sure you saw it when you got here. Mm-hmm. I really thought that with all these changes, a program like Tennessee, I'll throw Arkansas in that mix also, programs that were once very proud in football, that had fallen on hard times, and they had an extremely hungry fan base. Uh, and we've seen that with atmospheres in, in Knoxville this year. Yeah. The hunger of the fan base how do you channel that hunger and make it go in the right direction for what you need to do and what you want to do? Yeah, and we're working hard on that. I, I think it's it's important that we make it easy. Uh, it's and simple for folks to to support us, and that's you know buy a hat, buy a t-shirt, buy a single game ticket, be a season ticket holder, be a donor to the Tennessee Fund if you can. Uh, a lot of the things we did to to uh, really change a pretty massive shift in our per seat giving, separating out football and basketball and now baseball to make it simpler to, to, to make that transaction and buy a ticket, get our season ticket base back up. Uh, we got to do a good job of explaining and educating our, our fans on how they can be a part of it and why their role matters. The reason Tennessee used to be one of the elite programs in the country is because, again, we had all those advantages because of this fan base. So, uh, we're going to continue to work to do a better job of making it easy to support us. Random on the way out, you're sitting here with two cell phones. Yep. Are there days where, or maybe it's daily, where you say, "Man, I just need one cell phone." <laughs> like you want to. Chuck or the no, other one. or no cell phones. How Actually, about that? So I have a family phone, and the whole okay. plan was so that sometimes I could put the work phone down, even if it's for a half hour, maybe go for a run, and 
I never do put the work phone down, so now I'm carrying around two phones. <laughs> There's no need for two. You're on one the entire time, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Is the ringer off on it's both a good of them? Try. They're on. Uh, I got them on vibrate. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, fair yeah. enough. You yeah. can reach. You can reach Danny White uh, no matter which number you're calling. How many texts are you going to have at the conclusion of this interview when we say goodbye to you right now? Just a guess. On uh, which phone? I don't know. On the bu- on the business phone. <laughs> There's no telling. No. There's no telling. Good to see you. Yeah, y'all too. And, Appreciate y'all uh, having so much. Congrats on all the success early on and and continued success down the road. No question. We'll keep working at it. I think uh, I think the best is yet to come. Danny White has been our guest from the University of Tennessee. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. PK visited North America's largest soccer-only specific venue yesterday we've got details on that coming up first though paul let us know as uh, we wrap up our kick 360 what aj brown had to say with some reporters today up in philly he said uh he found out about the trade about one o'clock on thursday went and worked out got a lot off his chest um bittersweet for him uh titans the team that drafted him gave him his chance uh, all of that so he was diplomatic um Wants to win, and he's not a regular season guy. Has not won anything since high school. Uh, so sounds like he thinks he's got a better chance there than here. Uh, I don't know if that's his intention, but obviously if you're a press conference with your new team, you're going to talk that way. He talks about Jalen Hurts like he's the second coming, which uh, I think the three of us know he is not. So, I mean, he's got to help Jalen Hurts raise his game or this thing's not going to be worth it or he's going to be catching balls from somebody that's not Jalen Hurts. Well, Jalen Hurts is, is – it's prove it time. I mean, they have given him yeah. zero excuses on offense. They, they, he has got to be really good this year for them to move forward with him. So this is uh, no more time for excuses for Jalen Hurts. That's for sure. Yep. It's um, interesting. We'll dissect some of what he had to say uh, tomorrow as well. But the the comment about um, I look out. He said, "Look, I'm not a regular season guy. I want to win." I want to win big. I mean, he goes from one quarterback to another. That I mean, both both these teams got to the playoffs last year and bowed out in their first game. Um, both were reliant on their defense and their run game. So, it's which which one does he view as the the team that's really ready to take it to the next the next level? If it really just came down to the same type of offer, he's not in a st- not in a stacked division did. in either spot. Well, again, you know it's. And I kind of joked, oh, what a sick burn about I'm a, a postseason guy, not a regular season guy going there. But that comment carries a lot more weight if you are going to play with Tom Brady. Right. Right. If right. you just got traded to Tampa and you're going to be one of Tom Brady's targets, then okay, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Even if you're Patrick Mahomes' target, you right. know, I, I get what you're saying. But Jalen Hurts hasn't done anything in the NFL yet either. Ryan Tannehill's done more in the NFL than Jalen Hurts. I've been very hard on Ryan Tannehill, and rightfully so, but Ryan Tannehill is a more accomplished NFL quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Titans are a more talented right offensive team, and the Titans are not super talented on offense. I don't know about that. I, I like I Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown on offense if I'm Jalen Hurts. It's a pretty talented offensive team. 
Paul, how was Geodis Park yesterday? Geodis Park is uh, pretty fantastic. Um, they've got a lot of construction around there to finish. They've got insufficient parking. You know, Geodis Park, Park the, the new home that opened yesterday officially for Nashville SC, the MLS team here in Music City. It's simple. Look, you go in, there's a 100 level down and 200 level up. I was upstairs. Uh, it's steep upstairs, which makes for great views of the pitch. Um, look, the, the concourse, the C that you can walk on the concourse unless you have an exclusive ticket. I don't like that, that you can't walk the whole rectangle of the stadium is wide, except that concession lines make it narrow. And I, I think when everybody's going to get food and drink, concession stands, uh, pacing is going to be slow no matter what. I thought they were efficient. There's just too many people trying to get food and drink, and particularly at a soccer match, you try to get it pregame or at halftime. Uh, you don't run out during a timeout, so to speak. The, the venue is really beautiful, really clean. Uh, sight lines are fantastic. The atmosphere was fantastic. The soccer for a half was really good. They didn't get a goal out of a, a really aggressive first half. Second half got sloggy with a lot of fouls. Wound up with a 1-1 draw after a penalty kick to pull even. Um, they need to improve the parking. I walked a mile. I parked at Fort Negley, which is where the old Sounds Stadium was, and walked a mile, which on a nice day was not a, that big a deal. You wouldn't want to do it on a regular basis. Um, they don't have ushers, so some people were just standing. You know, they would come up and stand, like, right at the rail. And I'd say, hey, that's okay. This whole section will watch the game around you. you enjoy yourself up there and kind of shame people around. But the fans around me appreciated me taking on that boss role. Do they have standing room only seats or people were just leaving their seats to go stand in front? Well, I think people were on their way up or down and doing would that. Would stop. There are standing room only seats in, uh, in other sections. Um, I don't like that exclusiveness to the point where you can't walk on the concourse on that side, though I understand the big money that's going into it over there. And the ticket prices, look, I paid 100 to scalp for opening day seat, but I'm looking at tickets for next Sunday. You can get tickets for 28 bucks, which is pretty reasonable for a Sunday afternoon out, I think, in a beautiful new venue. So, And the logistics of getting around there, I thought it was going to be like – downtown manhattan at rush hour it was not it, it was pretty reasonable if you had a parking pass i think you had a reasonable time it looked really good on the the five to ten minutes of i watched of the the start of the broadcast yeah it looked cool the open from espn was really neat with the drone shot going over the stadium and then you could see downtown nashville in the backdrop i thought that was really cool it looked it looks terrific on television is it, uh, I've got no complaints on, on the TV setup for it. Is it bad that I think, how is a 30,000-seat venue the largest soccer-only complex in North America? No, I mean, that's the size and scope of MLS in, in America. That's in, that's in America or Canada. Yeah, so if you're taking the national team somewhere, it's either playing at a, at a venue where there's huge demand or it's going to the next level to, like a stadium. to Nissan Stadium here. Uh, to, to meet the demand, um, and that's, that's uh, I don't think, a, a bad thing. That atmosphere that's was good size. really just... terrific, and people were in a terrific mood. Like, somebody gave us the finger driving by because a lot of us were walking, and the group in front of me said, how could a dude be in a bad mood on a day like, on such a great day like today? And that's kind of the vibe that was going through 
everything. Too many cheers that are the Predators cheers. Get your own cheers. <laughs> Don't do the, the, you know, they introduced the starting lineup for the other team and they did the sucks on each guy. Get, do, invent your own stuff. I understand that maybe have carried over for a couple of years. This would be a good time to wipe that clean and do your own stuff. Hey, Reese Witherspoon was all over the ESPN broadcast yesterday as a, a part minor, minority owner of the team. And I want to congratulate Reese because according to People Magazine, she also is part owner of the NFL's Tennessee Titans. As People Magazine <laughs> tweets out, Reese Witherspoon roots for Tennessee Titans soccer team with husband Jim Toth and sons. Let's go. That is just terrible. And I love that they've not deleted it because People Magazine – their followers, their readers do not care and probably don't know the difference. And they're not even getting hit up over it. They're, they're just, just like, whatever. Picture. It's one of our 50 tweets today. We don't care. It's all about Reese Witherspoon at a soccer game. That's all that matters. Uh, Reese Witherspoon looked like she was having a good time. I'm sure she's at the section I couldn't I mean, get she anywhere was, they, well, close they, to. They, 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 yeah, there's no doubt. She was in a suite. And they panned to her after the penalty Look kick. Look at that. That's pretty. And she was, she was into it. That's a pretty nice scene. Now, the sun you see coming over. So I'm, I'm right up where this shot was taken, pretty much. Um, a little bit to the left. But uh, the sun, you know, gradually went over. So it was a nice day to be in the sun. On a hot day, you're going to want to be in the shade or you're going to want to be at a night game. This is one that, you know, we knew USFL was going to have big week one ratings. There was going to be a big drop off for week two. And then can they sustain it? That's a big, you know, mark for that league. Um, you're telling me twenty dollar tickets for game number two? Oh, it's face value. There, yeah. it's a face value. I I hope they can sustain. They're not going to have thirty thousand at every match. Oh, I, I realize think they that. Will. You think they're going to have thirty thousand every match? Well, I think even though gonna, tickets are now face value after one game, I, I think they're going to have thirty thousand at every match for a while now because people are going to want to have their first experience now well, for a while. If that's the case, kudos to them because that would be an amazing first season. I don't think they're selling out every match in their first season. If they did that, holy cow, That'd that's huge. Well, the next, uh, next, they play Sunday afternoon again. The long-range forecast is good, 4 o'clock on Sunday. I bet you it's close, if not full. It, yeah, it should be because they, how, how long have they been now going into the season? Three years, I with, think. No, with it, with, without a, a oh, regular season. Oh, they played uh, quite a few games Yeah, they've the got several coming up now. You they've got a schedule the stacked up. We're back yeah. at it tomorrow. More draft recap on OutKick 360. Don't block the box, but kindly lock your locks.